Here we go, Hour 2, Great Day for Talk Radio. It's a Tuesday edition. Interesting that Calgary would be holding a citywide plebiscite, non-binding, but they just want to get a sounding of the water as to whether or not there's an appetite for staging another Winter Olympic Games in 2026. The last time around was 88, so I don't know if they're still using the same facilities. I know they are for training purposes, or uh, they've had to maintain them to a certain level, I guess, that they can still qualify as training. But boy, that might just mean uh, having to reboot the whole infrastructure thing. <laughs> Is that worthwhile? Uh, the amounts of money, does it accrue to the benefit of the city, the province, even the country by extension, if one of our cities does get something as illustrious as the Olympic Games? I know Toronto's tried to throw its hat in the running a couple of times, most significantly in 96, and we lost out to Atlanta. And people say we would have had the infrastructure built by now, you know, the subway system and so on and so forth. I mean, because that was essentially the argument with Montreal. And, you know, while Drapeau really sent them deeply into hawk, sometimes these things, uh, years later, when everybody tends to forget, even though they're still paying for them, uh, you have these beautiful edifices, and you do have, uh, Montreal has a better subway system than we do here in Toronto. And I believe that dirt that they used to excavate uh, created the man-made islands in the St. Lawrence that housed, that was the site of, Expo 67, so now you know. But on that front, we did uh, not win the bid for Amazon's headquarters, too. That apparently is going to Arlington, Virginia, New York City, who ponied up more and maybe had more to recommend them. Let's find out what the deal is, though, insofar as having lost out on that when everybody was giddy that we'd made the short list of 20 cities still in contention and the only Canadian one. David Wolf is on the line, the co-director of the Innovation Policy Lab at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. He's also professor of political science at the University of Toronto's Mississauga campus. Dave, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. So the thoughts on uh, Toronto being passed over, is there a lesson here somewhere? Um, I think the lesson is that, uh, you know, when we put our best foot forward as a city and as a region, uh, we can shine on the world stage. Uh, I I think that uh, the attention that the Amazon did brought to us is, you know, rebounding to the city in lots of other ways. Uh, there, There are a lot of other major firms who've, who've been announcing investments in the city on a smaller, probably more reasonable and more manageable scale than what the Amazon bid um, would have involved. And I think the fact that, um, you know, we were very clear, our municipal government was very clear from the outset about not putting subsidies on the table as part of the bid also speaks uh, very well of, you know, how we value the you know public investments in this area. Well, all right, uh, that might have played domestically, but uh, that might have also been the reason that New York and Arlington cinched. I believe, uh, collectively, they put up about $2 billion plus billion, did they not? I think the amount I've seen is $2.8 billion, uh, but it's, I've also seen that it's not cinched because uh, those uh, dollars have to be approved by their local governments, and there are objections being raised. I've seen particularly in the New York case already by some state legislators and others. So that's not a done deal uh, in the New York case. It may very well go through in the end. But uh, some, you know, local politicians are raising questions about the level of the subsidy per job to be created. It's pretty high. Mm-hmm. And the question, you know, we always have to ask uh, from public policy point of view is whether it's the most effective and efficient expenditure of public funds. All right. I guess the other question, uh, were we ever realistically in the running here? 
most of the inside accounts that I've been following on this uh, question say never. Um, it was pretty clear that it was going to go uh, to cities somewhere on the U.S. East Coast. Um, and it was also pretty clear that Amazon was in it for the, you know, for the sub, for in, in good measure for the subsidies they could obtain. So given the fact that we were not in the U.S., we were not uh, putting forward major subsidies, you know, we were probably an outside chance from the beginning. Um, the fact that we did so well, uh, you know, overall, I think speaks volumes to uh, the assets the competitive assets that this region enjoys right now. Well, I, I think there's something in that. You know, uh, maybe it's forced us to take stock of our competitive advantages and disadvantages. Uh, do you think there's been maybe something to that? Um, I, I think our advantages uh, overwhelmingly are in our people. Uh, I've done a lot of work in this area for the past two decades, and Every time I ask questions of companies inside or outside the region about what it is that makes this region attractive to them to either want to locate here, expand here, or start a new firm here, it's the the strength, the bench strength of the talent base, Uh, the quality of the research institutions we have uh, in the post-secondary system, both the universities and the colleges, the quality of the graduates we put out, the kind of skills they're being trained with, um, this is why, you know, companies are, there's a, I describe what's been going on in Toronto for the last two or three years as a, as a minor gold rush, uh, and it's gold rush searching for talent. And this is a region that's very rich in the talent, has a lot of resources to offer. And why is that? Is it because we attract uh, a lot of uh, foreign students as well as domestic? Is it the quality of our education system, post-secondary education system? Why is that? Well, we have very good uh, post-secondary education institutions, as I said, both at the university and the college level. Um, you know, if you take the Toronto, Waterloo, Hamilton, what I call triangle, into account, you've got, um, you know, three or four world-leading universities and some really high-quality community colleges. Um, we've been supported very generously uh, since the late 1990s by the federal government and to some extent the province in uh, doing cutting-edge research. And, you know, when you're training students, when students are able to work uh, with faculties who are at the cutting edge of their respective disciplines or fields of research, they're, they're learning the kinds of skills that companies who want to innovate and do something new or path-breaking, uh, those are the kinds of students they want to hire. You know, and, it's... And, I'm sorry, uh, complete the thought. No, and, and, and we've, we've been doing that uh, quite effectively in this region. Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting because while we uh, would not submit to subsidies, the likes of which have been promised anyway uh, to New York, uh, by New York and Arlington, we subsidize in other ways. I think companies would find it attractive because the one of the competitive advantages is our health care system, since it's, a, you know, a universal system and the companies don't have to pick up uh, much more than what's availed to their employees. Doesn't that give us an advantage? Yeah, no, it, it, it has, it does, it, it has, it is not as much of a competitive advantage in the last few years as it was, uh, previously. Um, I think some of the healthcare reforms that were introduced in the U.S. have lessened the difference slightly, but yes, in, in, in some industries, it's, it's been a critical advantage that supported, um, supported the, uh, the, you know, Canadian, Canadian advantage. 
Um, there's one other point that you did raise that I, that I want to touch on, and that's the diversity of the population and the diversity of the edu- you know, of, of the student body. Um, the fact that you know Toronto region, fifty uh, percent or more than fifty percent of the population were born outside of the country, um, gives us the ability to to draw upon and attract uh, you know incredibly diverse and talented people. Um, I've had companies tell me that it, it's the very diversity of the workforce that's one of the factors which which appeals to them when they're considering locating or expanding their facilities here. Um, and quite frankly, the point you made about the student body, in the last two years we've enjoyed a, a major influx of interest from foreign students who either can't go to study in the United States or don't want to go to study in the United States in the current situation, and they've been much more interested in, in exploring their educational opportunities in Canada and in the Toronto region. Again with David Wolf, co-director of the Innovation Policy Lab at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. You know, on the uh, matter of losing the uh, second headquarters for Amazon, which as I understand, they're even looking at maybe additional hubs so it uh, won't be just uh, concentrated in two headquarters. But that aside, the disadvantages that have been cited were uh, our lack of infrastructure and affordable housing. Do you think that played a role? Or, I mean, given that we didn't think we had a practical chance to begin with, but does that put us at a disadvantage in recruiting high-profile companies with a lot of, uh, I guess, very lucrative types of jobs, professional jobs? Uh, is that hurting I, us? I, I think I think the trans, you know, the, the the state of the transportation infrastructure is a, is a challenge for the whole region, whether you're a company coming in or you're a company that's already here. Um, we've made some investments in upgrading the transportation infrastructure, but we've got still have a long way to go. Um, but I don't think in the end of the day that was the decide, those were the deciding factors for Amazon. I think it was, um, you know, being in the U.S. versus being outside of the U.S. and uh, the... Uh, you know, the extent of the subsidies that were were offered. Finally, I've got to ask you, because Calgary today is in the uh, midst right now of a plebiscite as to whether or not they should host the 2026 Winter Olympics. Uh, What do you make of Olympic bids? Are they good for cities in terms of infrastructure being developed and uh, any benefits that might accrue, or is there more downside? Um, I think... When, when the Olymp- when, when Olympic, if you look, there's a whole literature in, econo- in, the, in the economic development field on the costs and benefits of, of major hosting major games like the Olympics. Um, there are very few of them that have broken even or turned a profit uh, to the benefit of the city. Usually, they involve much greater public investments than you get out of them at the end of the day. Uh, some of them have been unmitigated disasters. Uh, Athens, the Athens Olympics in particular, the Rio ones are close to behind. A lot of the major facilities end up uh, falling into disuse and, 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 and really not having a, a lifespan beyond the life uh, of the duration of the games. So the, there are only a couple that have uh, probably done reasonably well. The two that often get cited are the Los Angeles Olympics and the Atlanta mm-hmm. Olympics. Right. Um, both in both cases, the private sector picked up a you know very large share of the cost, mm-hmm. and the municipalities didn't uh, have to absorb as much. So I'm not again you know we never have enough public funds to allocate all of the things that you know people want governments to do. I'm not sure at the end of the day 
that uh, is worth the return on the investment that we get for it. Well, all right. In closing, did we benefit from the uh, 2015 Pan Am Games here in Toronto? Um, yes, I think the Pan Am Games were much more, um, you know, reasonably financed, reasonably cost. I think we made, uh, the federal government made very strategic decisions um, in building very specific facilities across the whole region, not just concentrated on one site, but they're facilities that would have, you know, lasting use um, in Hamilton and different parts of Toronto. Um, so I think I think the Pan Am Games investments were much more, you know, wisely done. And, and, and they were done at, the, at a time when the federal government was, you know, boosting, was, was still interested in increasing infrastructure spending. So it, it, it fed into a broader uh, economic policy agenda that the government had. All right. Interesting. Uh, I appreciate your time, David. Thanks so much for it. My pleasure. Thank you. David Wolf, co-director of the Innovation Policy Lab at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. A lot of public uh, things that have happened of late, and uh, I wanted to drill down on some of those as topics worthy of discussion. We'll do that with our panel up next here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.